Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by America's Choice Windows, where you'll get 10 windows for just $36.80. Robert, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Hey, look, um, I listen to you guys' show quite a bit, and I do I do like it, but um, I'm not doing any home improvements. I'm looking to buy in a house, having it built, and I'm going to be meeting with the builder probably in the next couple of weeks. I have some things I want to have done above and beyond, you know, the normal build, and I'm trying to get some guidance on that. What I'm, what I'm looking to do is I want to put a, a slab in the backyard for a shed, probably a 10 by 10. I'm um, trying to find out whether it would be wise to have the builder do it or go ahead and do it after the fact, take it in consideration that then I got to worry about trash in the yard, trash in the sprinkler system, things like that. And then also question whether you know whether or not the builder will, you know, throw you a bone as far as a discount on the prices when it comes to doing things like that. Okay. I'm assuming you're going with a track builder? Uh, yeah. Okay chances are they're not even, unless that's one of the options they have to put in that slab for the uh, shed, chances are they won't even do it. Okay. Uh, they're, they're typically very, especially right now because real estate's selling so easily, they're very limited on what they're willing to do. Um, however, I will tell you, you, you touched on a key thing. If you're going to have a sprinkler system, it makes a lot of sense for them to know that you're going to be putting in a sprinkler system uh, so it can be looked at as far as where you're going to put this shed. They Maybe the sprinkler a, guy will work around that. Right. That was a question I had. If I let, When we have our meeting, if I say to the builder, I want to place a shed in this area, is that is that area uh, appropriate for a shed? And if so, I need you to plan the sprinkler system around that area yep. so that I don't have to worry about trash in the sprinkler system or having to redo it or anything like that. Exactly. Is that something they can, they can work with you on? Usually it's something like that they should be able to work with you on. Uh, if nothing else, make sure you have the schematic as far as where the pipes run. Right. So that if you have to reroute it around the shed, you can. But where, where the shed becomes critical, it's really not in the pipes in the ground. It's how the sprinkler heads are set because you don't want it right. blowing directly on the shed. And so they would set the heads from the shed going out then. Understood. Okay, uh, I was just kind of like I said. I was wondering whether or not if, if they would do it. You know, if it, you know, also whether you know they would discount the the price. I'm thinking it would probably be cheaper to have it done after the fact. But I'm definitely. Also at I mean, the mess, the mess that would go on after the fact. Yeah, and honestly, for, and this is for everybody listening. If there's things that you want to do to the house, I'm, I'm going to use wood floors as an example. You know, a lot of new homes, people want to go ahead and buy the wood floors and all that stuff. And let's face it, that is the time to put them in when the house is brand new like that. But it, um, things like that, it actually is a lot of times cheaper to do it after the fact than it is to have the builders do it. They they actually charge a premium to do them ra- rather right. than a, rather than giving you discounts on doing it. Okay. Well, that does help a little bit. I do appreciate it. And uh, I'll continue to the show. Thank you very much. Robert, good luck with the new house. Thank you. Again, our number, 1-800-288-9227. That's 1-800-288-9227. And with that being said, as far as, you know, they would charge a premium on that, if I was building a new house, I would still have them put the wood floors in because there is a difference 
on how it all flows and you know the detail work that's done when it's done as part of the original construction but i'll tell you up front the things i would hold off on changing out i would not upgrade kitchen faucets i would not upgrade light fixtures uh, all those kind of things that can be done later i would do later because it is much cheaper for you to do them later than to have the builders do it uh, when, when my son just built his house you know he checked into it and like he said there's no way i was going to have them do it the the faucets he could buy for almost half and he's buying high-end faucets he's he's not going up to the box store and buying cheap faucets either you but one you got to know where you're going to go to get the faucets and things like that two be capable of installing them or be willing to hire someone to to install them and three be able to look past the fact that it's got a cheap faucet in it when you buy it that cheap faucet it'll last you a few years so it's not like you got to do this immediately you've got time when you buy a new house to do all these other things to make it your home window coverings is another great example do that after you buy the house you get exactly what you want that way and hello jimmy how can i help you today hey jim how are you sir wonderful so I've got a question. I've got a shower here in uh, in our house that's uh, that we never use, and we sold the place last week. And the new buyers had a, a uh, inspector come over, and turns out that the shower, uh, the cold water works, but the hot water doesn't. And so I called one of the uh, one of the on radio plumbers to come out, and they came out yesterday and said it was a cartridge issue. Yeah, but he was unable to get the cartridge out to replace it. So his suggestion was to to cut a hole, a, a big hole in the shower wall, and cut out all the pipes and totally replace the entire thing, which was going to turn into a a thousand dollar job without replacing the tile in the wall. And I was curious if maybe I should get a second opinion on that. Without question, you need another plumber out there, Jimmy. Here's how I, I here's how I really look at that, because sometimes plumbers will say, "Oh, I, I you know they can't easily get it out, so they they give up. They say, well, I can't get it out, so let's just cut this hole and.'" replace everything the way i look at it if you're going to have to go through that hassle anyways bear down on that sucker to try to get it out and if it does break you got to do the same step as he was wanting to do anyways yeah that makes sense to me that makes sense to me well i certainly appreciate it and, and you confirmed exactly what i suspected austin welcome to texas home improvement thank you sir thank you for taking my call Oh, my pleasure. I had a question about insulation. I just bought a house in Fort Worth and uh, first-time homeowner, homeowner, and I'm looking to see about, you know, money's kind of tight since being a first-time homeowner, and if there's any kind of incentive programs or rebate programs for insulation. Uh, i got to be honest. I don't know of any right now. That's not to say there may not be. Uh, sometimes they have the energy credits going. I thought those expired, but they I don't know if they got extended or not. How much insulation do you have in the attic right now? See, there's about four to six inches in some areas. It was a rental house, and so there was a lot of people wrenching on it. Sure. They didn't really uh, do exactly the best job. They're really subcontractors, so it's you know, subpar work. But uh, there's some vaulted ceilings. And some of the vaulted ceilings have insulation baths, and they've kind of sunk back down, creating a lot of air gaps in the side. 
and a lot of the blown-in insulation has been it's useless now because of some issues with the house. Uh-huh. So I've got to replace a lot of insulation. And okay. Kind of trying to create, you know, eliminate a lot of the thermal bridging and whatnot, so. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, there's two things I, I, I will tell you. One, if you want to try to do it yourself and you don't mind working a little bit, bat insulation is the, you know, the bat fiberglass would be the mm-hmm. best way to go. Uh, and the reason for that, blown-in insulation over time does settle, and so you end up adding more insulation later. Bat insulation, once you lay it there, it's there to stay. It doesn't settle. It never loses its efficiency. Uh, secondary thing, if you do install bat insulation, unfaced, no paper, no plastic, nothing on it, just plain mm-hmm. insulation. Uh if you want to use blown in, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And, you know, you can actually get the machines and do that yourself. It's not hard at all. Right. When that so. settles, like the blown in insulation, can you can you go in, fluff it up a little bit, and recreate some of that you know, that uh, insulation value? Or is that just, once it settles, it's pretty much... Once it much settles, it's pretty much done because it, it's really... It's it's the the fat the fibers of the insulation consolid, compacting on themselves is what okay, causes so. the settlement, and, and we're talking over a period of years. Right. Now another option you may want to consider is taking a look at some radiant barriers. I will okay. tell you, in my house, I've got three to four inches of insulation. I got about a third of my house with no insulation, and I've got radiant barriers in the attic. I use a radiant barrier called Energy Q radiant barrier and it lays on top of the insulation and basically what it does is it keeps the heat from the attic from getting into the insulation therefore you don't need as much insulation and honestly with the technology of a lot of the radiant barriers nowadays especially if you use a multi-layer system it there really isn't as big a need for insulation as, as there once was, the reason it's such a, a hot spot all the time, no pun intended, is because it's in all the building codes. But if it wasn't for that, the radiant barriers actually do an excellent job of making a house more energy efficient. Jan, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi. I think it's Jane. Hi, yes, Jim. ma'am, Jane. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Happy Easter. You as well. I have a question, maybe two questions. Okay, someone had just called in, and they were talking about uh, fur downs. Yes. I believe. I, my home was built in like 70 or 72. Okay. And in the family room, I have what I call exposed beams. Uh-huh. Is, is that a proper term? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, well, you know, the, the beams go across there. Yeah. And I, I want to know if I can saw them off and just have an even ceiling. I realize if they're supporting my house, that's a pro- my ceiling, that's a problem. Is this a cathedral-type ceiling, you know, where no. it goes up, or is it just a, an 8-foot-type no. ceiling? It's just an 8-foot-type ceiling, and I would love to make it 9-foot. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh. I, I think what you're going to find when you start looking at that, that it is decorative only. Uh, I typically what they did in that time period is they would just uh, there's boards nailed up there 
and they're just nailed together the boxes in and attached to the ceiling and so in most of those cases yes you can definitely take those down just saw it off well it it really you won't even have to saw it off oh just take it if you look at it it's not a solid beam it's typically going to be three pieces of wood uh two one bys on the outside edge and then a one by that's nailed across on the bottom okay and you can literally just take it apart up there Okay. Okay. Well, well, thank you. Now, now, May, I know it's a mess, and I'm prepared, but could I? Oh, no, 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 no. You're, you, you only think you're prepared. When, it, when you start doing this, it's a much bigger mess than you expect. I'm prepared. Okay. I mean, I am, I am going to redo my entire home. Okay. So I'm prepared for a mess if I have to move out for three or four months. Ooh, you're going to do a major then. Yes. Now, okay. could I make nine-foot ceilings in my, I'd love to do it in my whole home, but at mm-hmm. least in my family room, kitchen area. Could I raise the ceiling to nine feet? You can in most cases, but you have to look up in the attic to see what all is going to have to be moved. Uh, okay. Electric lines have to be moved. Do you have gas in the house? Yes. Uh, more than likely, there'll be some gas lines that have to be moved. Uh, and obviously, the insulation has to be redone. And it all depends on how the house was originally constructed. Yes. So the short answer is absolutely it can be done. The long answer is depending on how the house was put together, it can be relatively expensive, especially if the... the um, Roof joists and everything are a truss-type system, which means it was all built as a unit and then set on top of the house. Then it becomes a lot more expensive to to address. But the short answer is absolutely it can be done. You just have to look into it to see what it's going to take to do it. Now, if my house has a hip roof, does that tell you anything about trusses or no? Chances are it doesn't have truss then. Chances are it has no truss. That's what I thought you were going to tell me. Okay. Yeah. I have a so it, so right there, that's going to make it easier for you. Oh, thank you so much. That's all. Bye bye. Do you have time for one other quick question? I absolutely. I got a uh, transitional area uh, from a from a uh, living area into a game room. It's a relatively small area. It's got tile, nice tile. I love the tile. But it keeps there's a just a hairline crack. I I replaced it once and it came back. It it doesn't happen quickly. It takes time and goes through the summer and the drought mm-hmm. and the problems. But I wind up with a hairline crack back again. Yeah. Any way to to I'd like to keep the tile, but I don't know how to avoid um, the movement problem. The the minor shifting apparently is is damaging that. Well, there's two things I would tell you. One, it may not be the slab moving. It it very well could be just the concrete expands and contracts with the temperature and moisture changes. Tile expands and contracts at a different rate, and so sometimes it'll pop through. They make mats that you can put down over cracks in order to minimize that happening. So when you replace that that strip the next time, Take a look at one of those mats that you can put down where those where that crack is, 
And they also make some uh, mastics for adhering the tile that have elasticity to them. And between those two items, I think you can span that and avoid that hairline crack. Very good. That sounds great. Thanks a lot. You bet, Jerry. Take care. I have a situation where pool decking with integral vertical wall is tilting away from back of in-ground pool. He's looking for a particular remedy and would appreciate my thoughts. Well, here's the situation. Typically, pool decking is only 4-inch concrete. And unfortunately, pool guys don't typically understand that 4-inch concrete, most of the time, cannot be repaired. It's not made to have structures put on it. But sometimes they'll put waterfalls on it and decorative walls and different things like that. If they were smart enough to put a beam around it, you can underpin it and pick it up. If they did not, doesn't mean you can't do anything with it, but what you're going to be limited to is typically doing some soil injection, chemical, not chemical injections, but a polyurethane or mud pumping in order to pick it up. And since it's typically on a pool deck, such a confined spot, in other words, it's usually not the size of a driveway, you're normally going to be better off to use the urethane injection. And the reason for that, it as you inject it, it'll expand out and usually sets up in about 10 to 15 seconds. Then you, you can inject it again. It expands out, sets up 10 to 15 seconds, and you, you're basically lifting it with donuts and then use the foam to fill those voids again. So that's probably what you're going to be limited to doing. Any other type of underpinning is just going to be cost prohibitive. Not to say that the urethane is going to be inexpensive because that can be fairly pricey as well. But the concrete will typically handle that, and it'll take care of your problem. Now, one thing on the downside, you're still on the active soil. So as the soil dries out and shrinks, it will settle again. If the soils get are in a shrunken state and they get wet and expand, it will pick it up. It's not going to correct that problem. And whether you're doing urethane injection, mud pumping, any of those things where you're still sitting on the surface, you're still subject to those issues. You mentioned in here with little regulation over contractors, you're concerned about getting burned. Absolutely, you have every right to be concerned about getting burned because there is zero regulation on the state level of contractors. Some cities do require contractors to register. And I'm putting this out for everybody who's suffered hail damage and all that stuff because there's going to be a lot of these fly-by-night roofers who are going to come and not bother pulling permits. It's supposed to be permitted. Virtually every city requires a permit for roofing. Uh, Same when it comes to replacement windows. A lot of cities require permitting for that. If your contractor's not willing to pull permits, they're not worth hiring. And if you're trying to get it done cheap because you're going to you know, ask the contractor to bootleg the job in and not pull permits, shame on you. Now, is the city inspection going to come out and catch everything for you? No, that is not what a city inspection is for. One, the permit fee is to help the revenue of the city. Two, the permit fee is for them to come out and make sure that minimum requirements are met. And let's face it, most of us don't want minimum requirements on our house. I'll go back to those America's Choice windows. Seven-eighth inch gap is not required. Obviously, the builder got away with that one-eighth inch gap. That's all that's required to meet 
minimum standards. The other thing that they got to check, though, is for safety. And that's really their primary thing is to make sure it's safe. And the reason they do it that way, you own the house now and you may say, I'm not worried about this, that or the other thing. Let's talk electrical for a second. You're not worried about that this box over here that doesn't have a cover on it is going to cause a short because you don't have kids in the house and you know nobody's going to go over and stick anything in it. What happens when you sell the house? Is it going to be taken care of before you sell? That's why the city has these minimum requirements that you have to meet. And it doesn't matter what the city is. They all have minimum requirements that you have to meet. I'm having a new home constructed in Pottsboro. I have encountered problems with the unsightly patchwork used by the builder around the front of the foundation and entry where concrete is patched for rough places and the concrete used is dark in color. My builder told me that it would all dry the same color. Is this correct? First of all, yes, when concrete is poured, sometimes there are places where you got to skim coat it or do little patches like that, especially on the sides where the forms were. Normally, they'll skim coat it with a mortar mix or whatever. It may look darker to begin with. Typically, all the concrete will lighten up. If you've ever bought sackcrete, quickcrete, any of those type of things, um, there's one out there labeled Maximizer. It comes in a blue bag. When you mix that stuff up, it is just a dark, dark gray. But once you let it cure, and it usually takes a, a couple months, it turns snow white just like regular concrete does. So over time, yes, it will lighten up. Now, is it going to be the exact same color as the other concrete? Uh, that I can't tell you for sure. Because all concrete mixes are different, and it depends on the sand that they use and, and different products that make up the concrete as to whether the color is going to match completely. Is it Laban? Yes. Welcome Laban. to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how you doing this afternoon? Wonderful. How about question. you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, got a question for you on the use of uh, the radiant barrier materials. Yeah. I've got a garage. It's not attached to the house. It's not insulated, it's not air-conditioned, but I do spend a lot of time in it, especially in the summer, uh-huh. uh, working on cars and so forth like that. Putting that stuff in the roof of a building that's not air-conditioned, is that going to keep the sun heat down in the building? Yes. It would Normally, actually... when you put the radiant barrier, like in an attic... Yeah. It will drop the attic temperature by typically about 12 degrees. Okay. Now, in a building like what you're talking about, if you'll do not just the roof line of the attic, but do the walls as well, okay. you it's not unusual to be able to drop that building down in the heat of the day by 15 okay. to 18 degrees. Well, I started a while back covering the, it, it was a stud wall garage. I started a while back covering the walls on the inside with quarter-inch plywood. I don't know if I could get the radiant barrier material in those walls now. But I was just thinking about doing the, the roof deck. Sure. Oh, I, everything helps. Okay. Yeah, because when the, the, the afternoon sun is just beating on that building, it's, it, it's hot working in there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like metal buildings, 
the yeah. the the radiant barrier for those is like a bubble wrap that's got radiant barrier on one side of it. Okay. Man, you put that stuff on the the roof and and walls and everything of a metal building, it's an easy 15 to 20 degrees cooler than outside. Okay. okay. Well, mine is the uh this thing was probably built back in the 70s. Yeah. T111 siding. Yep. Uh, you know, wood and asphalt single. Uh What's the better way to do that? The, the stuff that comes in a four foot wide roll, yeah, would be the easiest okay, way to do it, and then you can okay. just staple it into place. Okay, okay. Uh, go to the website energy the letter Q dot com. Energy Q. Yeah, energy and the letter okay. Q, like quality. Okay, and then they have it. Yep. All right. And that's the, that's the type that I use because it's a multi layer system. You know, most radiant barriers are a single layer, which means it has to have dead airspace. Where okay. when you use a multi-layer system, there's a thermal break in the middle, so it can be sandwiched behind materials. And actually, it would do good to put that stuff in the house, too, right? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much. You bet, and you have a happy Easter. You too, sir. Don, how are you? Very good. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. I've got a question. I heard you talking to someone who had a separate garage there. He wanted to put radiant barriers up. Yes. I've got some portable buildings, 8 by 12, 10 by 12. Would a radiant barrier help me to keep the inside cool? It will definitely help to cool it down some. I've got a question. There is stud, studded walls. Yes. There's no sheetrock on. Do I put them over the studs, or do I cut the radiant barrier or whatever and put it in between the studs? No, put it over the studs. Okay, and same with the roof. Yes. Okay, that's what I do. I need to lower the temperature, you know, 10 degrees, 15 degrees, because I store some equipment in it and some paperwork. I do a little office work in it, and it does get hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it'll it, typical... On a storage shed situation like that, it's going to drop it usually 10 to 15 degrees. Mm -hmm. uh, some ventilation can help drop it even more. Uh, but, yeah, so you I'm know, looking to put some more vents in the in the walls. There you go. To let it get the air out. Uh, I heard you talking about multi-layer versus single-layer yes. insulation. If you were going to put any, if you're going to put anything over the walls. You know, like you put the radiant barrier first and then, say, put plywood on the wall or something like that. You absolutely would have to have a multi-layer system then. Okay. But if if it's not going to have anything on it, then a single-layer system would work just fine. Okay, yeah, I don't plan to do, you know, put anything on it. Okay, that's what I need to know when it comes to, what, four-foot rolls? Yes, sir, four-foot wide rolls. Easy to cut? Oh, yeah, just a, a box cutter will cut it just fine. I thought about this years ago. I appreciate your help. You bet. Take care. Yeah, great day, sir. Well, you know, years ago, radiant barriers were available, but people really didn't understand what all you could do with them. You know, the the technology really developed during the uh, space program. When you see the gold foil on the old moon landings and stuff, that's a radiant barrier. Now. Is it the same one we're using today on Earth? No. We can't afford the gold. We're not the government. But uh, the concept is the same. Anna, your last call of the day. How can I help you? Okay. We have a house that was built in 74. 
It has a siding that's kind of a pressed wood. Uh-huh. I've got bats in the siding. What do I do? When you say they're in the siding, they've eaten through they, and they're getting into the cavity behind? They're little crevices where they go in yep. and they're in the wall? Yep. First thing I'm going to tell you is you're probably going to have to get a pest control company out there to remove these critters. And uh-huh. as far as all those holes and stuff, if that's the old masonite type siding, yes. it's going to be time to replace it. Take a yes. look at James Hardy siding. Those bats won't eat through it because it's a concrete-based siding. Uh, now, I will tell you, other animals do still, you know, like if you had squirrels going in, they would still try to go through. But bats typically wouldn't. And uh, if there's I a call lot the of different company. Will they have a problem if they open it up and there's a bunch of bats in there? <laughs> well, I, I'm sure it's going to startle the heck out of them, but um, typically they would just fly off, and uh, your contractor is going to say, "Oh, you know, that's got to be taken care of." But put the siding up, and um, I think that should keep them away. If not, instantly call a pest control company that deals with. Uh, critters like that. Uh, there's, there's actually like uh, critter control and ABC pest control, places like that that deal with pests of that nature. Okay, I got it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.